0: Today's episode, we're going to be giving our broadest overall opinions of the air uh, the, the whole completed Obi Wan Kenobi six episode
1: TV show. you McGregor uh, back as Obi Wan, which is oh. space Jesus has returned. Oh. I'm going to go, I'm going to go big and bold in my my review of this, I'm going I say this this could well be some of the best Star Wars we've ever seen put to screen. And welcome to Life Invaders Castle. This is episode 48, and as always, you're joined by myself, John Lee, and my co-host Dan McQuarrie. How are you, Dan? Oh, an absolute hello there to you, John.
0: <laughs> huge, huge hello there um, for firstly because this is the first podcast we've recorded in like I don't know six seven weeks. Poor form from us, and secondly because last week we had the final episode of. The Obi-Wan Kenobi show where massive spoiler. He said hello there. So hello
1: there is uh, an important word today. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 part of Star Wars, it's almost like made the force review and all that sort of stuff. It's just uh, it's integrated into Star Wars uh, canon and, and language and stuff these days. So it's, it's just gotta be done. You, I mean, you, you, I'd be disappointed if it wasn't in the Kenobi show. So I'm glad I'm glad we got it. And, oh. I must say, Star Wars fans, we've yeah. been have been
0: blessed. We really have. Just now seeing videos of like three different iterations of "Hello there" from the the cocky young Kenobi to the middle aged Kenobi to the old man Kenobi. Three different "Hello there"s for three different generations. Beautiful stuff. But I'm sure we will dive into all of that uh, in today's episode. We're going to be giving our broadest overall opinions of the uh, the, the whole completed Obi Wan Kenobi six episode TV show that we've just been absolutely blessed with uh, by our Disney overlords. So it'll be a probably about a standard hour long episode. We will not going to go in too much detail about specific episodes and stuff because hopefully we'll come back to that and do sort of some of our more traditional episode breakdowns, but we're going to talk in depth about what our overall opinions are of the show, what we loved about it, what we didn't love about it, if there was anything. And, um, some of our favourite moments, scenes, lines of dialogue, all sorts of thoughts. Um, I've got lots, and I'm sure John's got
1: lots as well. So we're, we're pretty buzzing to uh, to get stuck in. Yeah, I'm excited to get stuck in. I think actually, on reflection, um, when I was thinking of uh, my my overwhelming opinions of this show, I think it's it's nice to actually have that this episode to talk about it as a whole because I think sometimes. Um, with series and stuff. I don't know, for like Book of Offset, it was it was one of my critiques of, not critiques, but the things I think when things came across negative is because you you view things in, in a single episode and, you know, the, the writers, they write these things as, you know, this is six episodes and written as a story. And I think it's nice to come in and just review it as the finished story instead of breaking it down episode by episode at first. Because it just, you know, you get the complete picture before you really dive into the details. And I think I think that's going to be nice to so we can really discuss like, you know the character development and things like that throughout the series you kind of hard to do when you break it down episode by episode straight away
0: yeah couldn't agree more I think this is a, this is something that we haven't done like we didn't do a book of Boba Fett or a Bad Batch it'll be interesting to see how it affects our overall opinion on things but I think Obi-Wan Kenobi more than any of the shows I think they've released so far is very much a contained it's just one full story divided into six episodes where they've sort of written cliffhangers in to keep it to you know that episodic television feel, but really you could combine all of this into one and it could be a three and a half hour long movie. It really fills that one story. So I'm glad that we're getting a chance to uh, to review it as a one-er. Um, and then, you know, also, let's just say there's some people Within the Star Wars community, who was not willing to give Obi Wan Kenobi the chance to finish the story? People screaming plot holes that were resolved by the final episode because that's how storytelling works. People were saying, Oh, well, this doesn't make sense. And it does make sense by the time he gets to the end of the show. People saying, Oh, like, I can't believe Vader and Obi Wan's fight was so short. Oh, they get to fight again. You know, I'm not going to go on too much of a rant just yet. Yeah, I will, I promise. But it's nice that we can look at it as a complete package, and uh, really break down what this, in my opinion, fantastic piece of Star Wars TV, uh, delivered on. And uh, I guess that's big spoilers on what my overall reaction to this show is. I absolutely bloody loved it. Yeah,
1: I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm going to go, I'm going to go big and bold on my my review of this, and I'm going to be I'm gonna say this this could well be some of the best Star Wars we've ever seen put to screen. Yeah, um big fat agree. Yeah, I mean, absolutely fantastic uh, script and storytelling from from everyone who's worked on it. And I know. I, I was going to look at it before I started recording, but I forgot. All the episodes directed by Deborah Childs. It just like a few. Yeah,
0: she did. She them, do, yeah. directed all six singular yeah. vision of Deborah Chow.
1: I thought so, and I mean, wow, what a fantastic job she she did directing all these. I mean, what was her? What was her first? Is this her first? And trying Star Wars to
0: do like a Mandalorian She Bob, did. Bob, for episode. Two episodes oh, she of did. Mandalorian. The uh, I think it was the Sin, which was episode three of the first series, which was one mm. of my favourite episodes of the Mandalorian, and then episode seven, which is that penultimate episode, which is another great episode of The Mandalorian. So Deborah Chow's been there. She's been goaded since day one. But uh, yeah, this was her chance to fully make a show of her own, and uh, yeah, I think she absolutely killed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, fantastic job, and I think it's nice that that we that we got a, a nice singular vision for this. I don't know how it would have worked if they'd done it like Mando, as you said, or Bob Fino, you know, as they said, this was like a one singular story broken down into like a film. Where like some of the other shows, you know, did have those odd episodes that are like standalone sort of stuff. Um, so I don't think that would have quite worked as well for these episodes. But I think they've done a fantastic job, everyone that's worked on it. Obviously, the guy himself, Hugh McGregor. Uh, back as Obi-Wan, which is oh, Space Jesus has returned. Oh,
0: Can we just can we just get a moment to appreciate the fact that Ewan McGregor is the absolute greatest man and his performance as Obi-Wan. I mean, this is a bit of a bold statement. I think this is his best performance as Obi-Wan yet. I mean, he's fantastic in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, he's fantastic in all the prequels. Ewan McGregor is a great performer. Everyone loves him. His Obi-Wan Kenobi is arguably more iconic than Alec Guinness's and Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi is iconic. But there's something about Ewan McGregor, and I think this is his absolute best work, yeah. I think some of the, the range of performance that he brought to Obi-Wan, the way that he delivered Obi-Wan's incredible character arc from episode one to episode six was just a masterclass in acting. So, I mean, oh, it was just a joy seeing Ewan back, performing as obi-wan again and i think it's the best he's ever done so a uh, hats off to to ewan mcgregor he is he is the man
1: yeah i mean as you say you know ewan mcgregor is a fantastic actor i've not seen a lot of his films outside of star wars i'm not gonna lie but obviously they've all got you know good reviews and his performances are like renowned and you know he's famous before star wars you know before reason and outside of star wars he's famous and i think it's nice to see that as you said, I agree this is like his best performance and I think, you know, part of the reason for that is obviously he was fantastic in the prequels and stuff, but, um, you know, we can all sit here and agree that, you know, the the scripts he was probably given for the prequels weren't exactly, you know, extending his range as an actor as much as he probably would have liked. Uh, Well, I feel like in these these six episodes, he's given, as you say, a lot more, we see a lot more depth, we see a lot more, um, you know, emotions from him, we see a, a wider range of his acting. I think, you know the script and the storytelling in this series really allowed him to, to you know, do what he does best. He's an actor. He's 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 paid to uh, he's paid to do these sort of performances. It's not just swinging lightsabers around, waving his hands, pretending to use the force. You know, it's about getting deep into the character moments. That's what that's what I'm sure he got into acting for—not to swing the lightsabers, but to be emotional and sell those scenes. I think the script and his performance really really sold that. Yeah, hundred percent, great. Great, great work from
0: him. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there were there were some moments in, uh, I think everyone in the show, acting-wise, script, directing, everyone was fantastic. But there were some moments where it just felt like the entire scene was just being carried on the back of Ewan McGregor's incredible performance. So there'll be a couple that I might mention at some point during this episode. Uh, and that's not like a, a slight on anyone else. There were some other fantastic performances. Hayden Christensen was fantastic what he did with what he uh, did Moses Ingram? I thought was brilliant as Riva. I mean, Vivian Lyra Blair as Leia. Well, we will talk a lot about. She was absolutely phenomenal as well. So there are a lot of great performances. Uh, but there, yeah, there were some scenes where you could just feel the acting pouring off of you and McGregor. Some serious, serious acting. And uh, yeah, no, he absolutely killed it. And what an absolute treat to have, personally, my favourite Jedi, back on live action on the big screen. And I think this episode has just even more cemented my view that Obi-Wan Kenobi is the greatest, the best Jedi to ever live. And uh, I, I I was sure of it before this show, and I'm even more sure of it now because, my God, did he do
1: some stuff in this series. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a fan favourite for a reason. I will say... um. I think had we also been given this time to explore characters such as Plocoon, uh he might be the uh, the greatest Jedi to ever live. But you know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll allow it. You know, overwhelming Kenobi's been given more screen time. So I'll allow In, I'll Until allow I, I see Plo Koon
0: beating <laughs> the shit out of Darth Vader with rocks, I will stand by Kenobi.
1: <laughs> uh, he wouldn't need the rocks, mate, it would be straight out there, hand on hand combat. <laughs> My boy okay. <Flanko. laughs>
0: Uh, so yeah, sure. Whilst we're on the topic of immigration, should, should we talk sort of broadly about our thoughts of obviously he is the title character of the show. Is the show is titled Obi Wan Kenobi? How did you feel, John, about Obi Wan in this series about his character's journey because he went on a pretty significant journey during the course of these six episodes. The you know how he was represented in this story, how how his, his Jedi ness developed throughout the series? What were your your overall Kenobi thoughts? On the Kenobi show,
1: Um, I mean, I remember talking about this like when you know the first trailer first came out, and you know it was first announced. We spoke about this. I remember saying like I wanted like a good character-driven story, like you know I wanted Obi Wan, I wanted the show to start of Obi Wan, you know, <clears throat> down his luck, you know, like not the he's been knocked off his pedestal, you know, he's feeling uh, vulnerable, scared, fear, you know feeling not on top of the world. And I think that's exactly what we got when we came off the bat, you know. It's exactly where his character needed to be at the start of the show. You know, he's there, he's got his purpose, obviously looking after Luke and he's doing that. But you get that sense that he's doing it because it became like a routine and not because he felt like he needed to do it or even wanted to do it. He was kind of just there because he felt like, oh, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well sit and watch over Luke. You know, he goes to the um, that little meet factory or whatever he comes back and kind of just lives in a, in a bit of a rut and I feel like as the show progresses obviously him having to go and save Leia and you know, find his reconnection to the force and deal with his guilt and um you know like trauma of what he did to Anakin um and what Anakin has become I think the the journey that we are on with Obi-Wan in this is absolutely fantastic and I think it um it Flows perfectly, and I think by the time we get to Obi Wan in the last episode, like I think it was episode four, we see him maybe, um, you know, finding his reconnection to the Force again, and you know, becoming more of the Obi Wan we see. And you, you know, some people could fall into the mistake of thinking that like, oh, he's back, here we go. But then we get the next, the next level up in episode six. You know, when he really truly realizes what it is to be a Jedi again. Um, you know, he comes to terms of what he did to Anakin. You know, he. he has to apologise to, to Anakin, he has to face up to his own failings as a person. And then once he's done that, he becomes the Obi-Wan we know and love, you know, the one we see in the prequels and the one we see in Alec Guinness at the start of A New Hope. Oh, just what a, what a journey, beautifully written. I have absolutely no complaints about how, how we see Obi-Wan in the show and it's exactly what it lived up to be.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more and that was, that was perfectly summed up, I think. This is exactly the show that I wanted in the same way you did. I wanted the show to show us Obi-Wan tortured and traumatised from everything that happened uh, during Revenge of the Sith and Order 66 and Anakin's Fall. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to see him go on a journey to <clears throat> become that hopeful Jedi again that we actually see in not just A New Hope but also in rebels as well in in his confrontation with Darth Maul Um, and I think something that I wasn't expecting the show to do and I think the show did fantastically was they used the character of Leia and this connection he formed with one of Anakin's children as a way for him to really find find the force again and reconnect to the force and I think like Star Wars has always been about hope versus fear and fear leads to the dark side and hope leads to the light. And I think this was a series where Obi-Wan found his hope again and he's seen, and you know, in that scene when he's under all the rocks that Vader's thrown at him, you know, nearly about to die, the thing that saves him and the thing that gives him the strength to do such an incredible force feat. in that moment is, you know, he might have failed Anakin, but he he hasn't failed Leia. He hasn't failed Luke and he won't fail them. And, you know, they are the, the hope. The Skywalker twins will be the hope that will save the galaxy again. And in that moment, Obi-Wan knows who he is again and he knows what he has to do and he knows the man he needs to be. And I think that's just such a, such a powerful moment. And uh, just seeing him at the end, like chatting to Leia and like laughing with Leia and chatting to, like when he goes to speak to Luke and he's, Saying hello there, and he's wearing brighter colours again. And it's just seeing, and obviously, I mean, we'll get into it. But the final scene with uh, Qui Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson's return, when uh, Liam, one the fantastic line from Qui Gon Jinn of "I was always always here, Obi Wan. You were just not ready to see me." Just completely summing up Obi Wan's journey the whole time that until he was he was willing to accept his failings and reconnect to the Force again and find that hope. Uh, that he sort of seen from the Skywalker twins, mostly Leia, but also like the path and people like Tala and Roken. Um, then he would finally be able to to see again. And I just thought that was yeah, such an incredible story for, for Obi-Wan to go on. And, you know, as you said, in like episode four, we've seen him sort of stalking around Fortress Inquisitorius, using some his force skills again, twirling his lightsaber a little bit in his hands, getting his swagger back. And then in episode five, we sort of see that, General Kenobi back again, sort of like leading the troops and saving everyone's lives. And then, yeah, in that final episode, we just see arguably the strongest that we've ever seen Kenobi. Kenobi. Um, just proving that, you know, what Yoda said in Empire Strikes Back, like the dark side isn't stronger, it's easier. But when you're truly connected to the light, you, you're, you're unstoppable. And I think that's what we see from Obi-Wan. So, uh, yeah, it's a long ramble, but I really... I think it's my main favorite thing about the show was, was the way that they handled Obi Wan's journey. And yeah, I thought it was some phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. So yeah, big fan.
1: Yeah, and I think what sometimes I, a lot of people miss when it comes to like the Jedi and the Force and stuff, unless and so I think it, it, it's really well portrayed in things like books and like the comics and stuff, but I feel like it's kind of lost on the big screen and on the TV and shows and stuff, is that, you know, if Jedi's power comes through the Force, like, you know, Obi Wan could sit there and practice with his lightsabers for days on end, but he won't be anywhere near as good at when he's dueling as if he's like when he's using the Force, sort of thing. And see, you know, a lot of people were complaining on Twitter and stuff, and you see like, oh, how come he's suddenly so good with his lightsaber again? Or well, how come he can do this again? And it's like, well, because obviously he spent decades training. You know, he fought in the Clone Wars, so he's obviously quite nifty with it in the first place. But I think what the books do really well is they they describe like how a Jedi. You know feels a force flowing through them and that gives them like you know their their abilities to you know like fight how they do and think you know do things how they do and i think this show actually did quite a good job of showing that you know it was only once obi-wan got reconnected to the force in episode four that he like started getting his old swagger back and that wasn't necessarily because you know he suddenly remembered how to you know it wasn't like muscle memory as much as much of like I won't say force memory, but like feeling the force throw through him again is like his strength for turning through that. It's not just him suddenly remembering how to swing his lightsaber. And I think, uh, I think this show did a good job of showing that. And uh, when he came to dueling Vader, you know, he got his ass handed to him because he, you know, cut himself off from the force. And obviously Vader is an excellent duelist and obviously very powerful on the dark side. So obviously he got his ass whooped. Um, you know, I think if he, it's not like two samurais fighting sort of thing. You can't just base yourself on experience as a Jedi. You have to, you have to use the Force and let the Force throw flow through you when you are doing things. It's not just like you don't just use the Force to lift objects. You know, it's in your movements, it's in your actions. And I think, I think this uh, the show did quite a good job of portraying that well. I mean, it's not easy on the screen to get that sort of feelings across. You kind of need the in you know, monologues in a book or something. But I think, I think the show did quite a good job
0: yeah yeah definitely I agree I think this this show just to to sort of round off that point had one of my favorite explanations of the force when Leia was asking Obi-Wan what the force was and and he says to her um how does it feel when you turn off the light and then she says it makes me scared and he says and how do you feel when it turns me back on and that's how like when you turn the light back on that's how the force feels and I thought that was such like a Beautiful metaphor for the Force, and I, I, that was like the first moment in the show where you really saw Obi Wan starting to, you know, be like happy about the idea of the Force again. And I think that was quite powerful as well. So yeah, really, I, I mean, me and you have talked about it when we talk about the High Republic a lot. How we love when Star Wars really gets into like the law and the philosophy of the thought of, of the Force. And I think this show because I, I think I completely agree with you. A lot of the times the books do it in a more deeper and complicated way just because they have inner monologues and that sort of thing. To, and the comics have sort of different visual styles to describe it. But I think when you're trying to portray some of these like Force philosophies to the sort of wider general audience of people who are going to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi but not read a High Republic book, I think the way that Obi-Wan reconnected with a Force I think is a very... Good way of understanding how the force works, and I think uh, I think the show absolutely nailed that aspect. So
1: yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I like that conversation between him and Leia, because obviously, you know, as as we know in in Leia's life, she you know she she's force sensitive, she uses the force and things like that. And I like, you know, I think that also this show did a really good job of, um, you know, showing that connection between Leia and and Obi Wan. I mean. <laughs> In a new hope, obviously the first time Leia hears Obi-Wan's name, she's like getting all excited. She's like, Obi-Wan, you know, like, you know, excited he's there and you know, feels safe at the mention of his name. So I think this this show's done a good job of explaining exactly why, you know, she gets so excited with, with his name and their 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 connection throughout this show was fantastic. And I think I mean I remember in the first episode I was very surprised to see Leia. Like I didn't really expect her to be in this show at all because At face value, you just think, obviously, Leia is just as important to the wider galaxy as Luke is, you know, at that point in their lives. Um, You know, there's no difference between the two of them, really. But um, I think it's so obvious people just think, oh, you know, Obi-Wan's got to protect Luke, everyone's looking after Luke, because as we all know, Luke is the one that grows up, becomes a Jedi, and, um, you know, defeats the Emperor. But obviously, Leia is just as important to to Obi-Wan as Luke should be. And obviously, Princess Leia goes on to, do fantastic things for the galaxy. So it's, um, it was, it was, there's it was no nice surprise actually. I didn't think they'd do it, but I think it made perfect sense as to why, you know, the one thing that would drag everyone away from Tatooine, because, you know, he was sent there for purpose and while he might've not been as passionate about it as I think he is at the end of the show, um, he is, he, there was no way he's going to leave Luke by himself or leave Tatooine without him. So I think this show, no, I just think there's just, Beautifully done. I think the everything they did just made perfect sense. You know, there's nothing that they did in the show. I think that was just there for for face value or fan service. I think it was all very well thought out and all very well done. Um, terrific stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I think yeah. Let's get on to Leia because I think this. I mean, I know like Obi Wan's journey is what you know probably my favorite, but I think it's this is joint one like my favorite aspect about the show. I absolutely adored. What they did with Leia in the show. I think if you told me like a week before everyone came out that Leia was going to be one of the main characters, I would have been quite worried because, and not because of like the canon stuff, because I think that there's always a way around these canon things. And I actually think I kind of watched Half a New Hope the other day and I actually feel like this show kind of imp- imp- improves some of the background and the lore and some of the emotional connection that you have to some of the early scenes in a, in A New Hope. So, it's never really been a canon thing for me. It's just like Princess Leia is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Carrie Fisher's performance is one of the most iconic performances in Star Wars. She's absolutely brilliant. It's very hard to detach Princess Leia from Carrie Fisher. So I think if I knew in advance that there was going to be Princess Leia in this, I would have been a bit worried. But I mean, hats off to Vivian Lyra Blair, the girl that they cast as Princess Leia. I thought she was absolutely phenomenal in this role. I thought she captured every little like tiny detail about Carrie Fisher's performance of Princess Leia and took it to what a child of Princess Leia looked like there was not a single moment in this show that I didn't believe she was Princess Leia Um, I I thought the performance was absolutely fantastic the casting was incredible Um, so yeah hats off to everyone Deborah Chow for getting the performance out of the actress and the actress herself and the casting people for finding her because I would have been very worried about the idea of a young Princess Leia, but I think they absolutely nailed it. And I think this was one of the most emotionally impactful performances I've seen in Star Wars in a long time. Just as Princess Leia is such an important character and the the way that she leads the rebellion and she, in, in the, the eyes of the wider galaxy, obviously in, in, in the context of the original trilogy, Luke is, you know, the new hope. He is the guy who defeats the emperor and saves Darth vader but really in the wide in the wider eyes of the galaxy it's princess leia who who leads the rebellion it's princess leia who helps to sort of overthrow the empire and bring about bring the new republic in and obviously we see her in the sequels as well going on to train ray and you know return kylo ren to the lights so leia is such an important character and seeing the beginning of some of those really important aspects of leia's character um, in this show was phenomenal for me. I loved it. You know, just some of those moments where she, her sort of, her, her understanding of right and wrong, her willingness to trust people, her all those sort of like character traits that Obi-Wan talks to her about that she's got from her mother and her father. I mean, that scene alone had me in tears, but the acknowledgement of how much she is Padme's daughter as well, I think is something that we haven't seen in live action before. And I absolutely loved that They really dove into that. I felt that getting to fully appreciate Padme's character in a way through Leia I thought was was phenomenal. So, I mean, I could go on and on about Leia. Um, there was some, some scenes that I thought they did with Princess Leia that are some of my favorite scenes in Star Wars full stop. Um, one of them being Obi-Wan and Leia. I think it was in episode three on Mapuzo, where they were sort of going along on the cart with the stormtroopers. And there were some moments between Leia and Obi-Wan there that were I just thought were so touching. There was the moment when uh, Leia stepped up in episode five to uh, try and open the gate and she was like, fetch me a ladder. And she was strutting along like the, the princess that we know from the original films. And then, yeah, as I said, that final sort of scene between Obi-Wan and Leia on... Uh, order on with her, uh, you know, her talking about when Obi-Wan talking about her parents and saying, I'm sorry, I can't tell you anymore. And she just looks at her new adopted parents and, you know, it's fine because she's got everything she needs from her from her adopted parents and that element of found family. And yeah, I just I could go on and on. I absolutely loved what they did with Leanne. I think it was the perfect reason for Obi Wan to leave Tatooine. It was a perfect reason for Obi Wan to go on this journey of self discovery and rediscovery. And uh yeah, I just it was an inspired choice in my opinion. And I will defend if anyone has any criticisms about Princess Leia, I will I will debate them till the end of time because it was one of my favorite things about the show.
1: I completely agree. I think anyone who has any complaints, you know, about Princess Leia's character in this and about um yeah, you know, Vivian's performance are fools. Because uh she was fantastic and um you know such a young actress. I think she's done a fantastic job. Um and yeah, I completely agree about the point, you know, you said that she captures like Carrie Fisher's like, little nuances about the character so well. You know, just I think just like the looks, like the way she holds herself sometimes is like it really did remind me of Carrie Fisher when I was watching it. Um, and I th- I mean I don't know what else I can say about you you haven't said I mean she was just fantastic and for such a young actress to do such a great job and you know she really portrayed a character that was wise beyond her years which is ironic because she's you know doing a performance which is much above her years you know <laughs> so a fantastic shout out to her I mean you know what Star Wars fans are like there's always going to be a few that are going to criticise the performance you know I think Star Wars fans are Notorious for hating on child actors, um, you know. I won't uh, dive too much into a <laughs> yeah the
0: Phantom Menace and all that
1: <laughs> all that jazz. But uh, <laughs> you know, she's done a fantastic job, and she she should be proud of herself. And I, I hope she comes back as in Princess Leia for future things. And I don't know what they would do. Like they could do like a, a show on Alderaan maybe, or something like a little political oh, drama maybe. Oh, with Bella, um, with oh, I would love it. I would love it,
0: that so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, great great job. And I think she's uh, she's got a, a bright career in a future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it just for, you know, a lot of people out there where Princess Leia is one of our favourite characters, I'm sure it meant a lot to them. It definitely meant a lot to me seeing Princess Leia uh, portrayed in this light and really learning more about everyone's everyone's favourite princess. So, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. And, you know, I people could turn around and say that Star Wars has a, has a, a repet- repetitive trope of grumpy heroes teaming up with young children who help them find goodness in themselves again because, you know, the Mandalorian's done it. Uh, Bad Batch did it with Hunter and Omega and then obviously this as well. Kanan and Ezra. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of parents of older figures with younger characters and, you know, that helping the older figure to find themselves. But to be honest, I think it's one of the core messages and themes of Star Wars that the the hope for the future lies in the younger generations. And I think that it's something that George Lucas believes in and uh it was very integral to his Star Wars story. And I don't have a problem with them using it multiple times if they continue to to reinvent the the trope as they have done in this series. So uh yeah, without going on about Princess Leia and Obi Wan too much. I will. Uh, I end it there with my <laughs> rave review of, of their, their their
1: team up. Yeah, I mean, should we, should we uh, move on to maybe like kind of another surprise character? Not surprise character, but someone that was uh, fresh to the to the Star Wars screen. That was a uh, Moses Ingram in, in Raver. I thought she was really good. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll go through some
0: of the uh, the Inquisitors and then we can finish off with Darth Vader. But yeah, Reva. I was surprised about how much I enjoyed this character's inclusion uh, a new character who we didn't know her where her character was going to end um unlike all the other characters in the show where we knew where they were going she was sort of a fresh face that we didn't know where she was gonna go and yeah I agree with you John I really really enjoyed Reva's story um not you you sink your teeth into what was what was the stuff that you really liked about about Reva I think it was just
1: obviously some new character I think it was just nice for a bit of refreshment in the show. I mean, as you say, you know exactly where we're going with the characters, you know, uh, Obi-Wan and Vader, you know exactly where we're going to end up in the next 10 years with them. So it was just refreshing to get a a new character in this one, in this show, um, and, you know, have a bit of mystery about what's going on. And I think, I think at the first few episodes, she was like, how do I put this? She was like slightly jarring and a bit intense, but I think that's obviously exactly how the character was meant to be. Uh, and I think the development that we got from her character as the shows went up, went on was um was really interesting. I mean, you had the speculation after like episode two or three. I think people, you know, speculated on Twitter and stuff, you know, she's definitely a youngling who, you know, this and that. And I think that was nice to see for her character. You know, they had people debating online about like what her origins for her character were. You know, it was nice to see people cared and were interested. And I think once we did get the reveal that she was like a youngling that Anakin, you know, um, tempted to kill and then her, her, um, dedication to getting her revenge is the only thing that kept her alive and sent her on the path of where she is now. I think it's really interesting because, you know, we, we get, you have these debates on the stars all the time about like revenge and like things like that. I mean, we're seeing characters like, you know, Darth Maul come back from the brink of death just to get vengeance and revenge. You know, you have, all these sorts of things like storylines and styles I think this is like a refreshing view on it you know like a youngling turned Inquisitor just to get revenge on Darth Vader work her way at the top of the ladder um, just to get close to Vader and eventually get her revenge I think it's such an interesting concept Um and I think watching or looking back on her what she you know what she did in the show you know she obviously she's a villain because you know she's an Inquisitor and I'm sure she's done some bad things but She never took, she never really seemed to take things too far um, as opposed to like some of the other things we've seen from the Inquisitors and obviously Vader. You know, like, obviously she captured Leia and was going to torture her, but then she never did. She kind of just kept shouting her over and over again. I think Reva was waiting for Leia to crack because she didn't want to do, she didn't want to take that next step further. You can hear like, at the time, you can hear the desperation in her voice, and at the time, you think it's just because, you know, she just wants the information to go after everyone. She's just desperate for it. But, you know, on reflection from watching all six episodes, you can probably be like, she's probably just desperate for Leia to tell her so she doesn't have to torture a kid sort of thing. You know, it, it puts an interesting perspective on her character if you go back and watch it all after, like, the reveals and, like, obviously her at the end of the show not being able to kill Luke because, you know, she doesn't want to take that step too far like Vader did. You know, she uh, the, the lines that she has at the end of When talk from Obi One. She's like, I can't do it. I can't be like him. Like I haven't become, him, or like I don't want to become him, sort of thing. I think it's just refreshing, and it's 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 an interesting take on a Star Wars character you know, who's desperate to get revenge on Vader, but not stray down that path too far to become like him. I think it's just such an interesting concept.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. I I found myself really enjoying uh, Reva's character as well. Um, I thought. As you said, like she told she her character told sort of quite a different and interesting story. Um and sort of about it was really interesting to see sort of the a character that really represented the ramifications of Anakin's betrayal on like a on like a completely wider level than just, you know, Obi Wan. This was like Obi Wan and Reva have both being failed by Anakin, they both are haunted by what Anakin did to them, and they both have to come to terms with like who Anakin is now, <clears throat> but in two completely different ways. And I, I really liked that aspect, and I really like that final scene of Obi Wan and Reva, where you know Reva said the line as you as you mentioned earlier. You know, have I become him? And Obi Wan said, "You know, today you chose not to become him." And I think that was a a really powerful scene. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with Riva going forward. Um, I would like to see more of her character, but I do think it was it was important that we that we saw in this show a character that really, really reminded us. Because I think it's quite easy with Fado and he's a very cool and badass character. Someone it's it somehow it can become quite easy sometimes for Graveda to become a bit glorified. Um, You know, with him being so awesome with some of his, you know, force feats, him pulling ships down out of the the sky and ripping the walls off of spaceships, you know, it can be quite easy for us to glorify Vader. And to see Reva and the trauma that literally not even Vader, but Anakin caused her when he went in and slaughtered all the younglings, I thought was really dark and really powerful. And I think an important story for them to tell. So um, I thought, yeah, it it was really impactful And I think it explained a lot of her actions throughout the show. I think, you know, they needed a catalyst to get Obi-Wan off Tatooine. So, you know, her kidnapping Leia so that she could impress Vader, so that she could get Vader near to her, so she could attack Vader. You know, it was a fairly simple plan in her mind. And I think um, it paid off really well. Um, I think, I mean, I didn't want to go into it too much, but the toxicity and the the racism that the fandom, some people in the fandom kicked off uh, at Reva was, I mean, as usual with some areas of the Star Wars fandom absolutely disgusting and the racist abuse she got was revolting. And it just, it's really depressing to see an actress who is, you know, at this point had given two episodes worth performances out of her for no one knew anything about Reva's character and people were just, being abusive for the sake of being abusive. And uh, I think, in my opinion, if you didn't, you know, if if you weren't sold on Reva in the first couple episodes, then I think the majority of people were probably sold by the end of the show where they really saw the, the, the story they were trying to tell with Reva. It might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I personally think it was a really well-told story and a, a well-performed character by Moses Ingram. So, um, And then people who still aren't impressed, it's probably because they've got <clears throat> their own baggage when it comes to uh, seeing characters <clears throat> like this on screen. Uh, They're racist. Um, so hopefully we don't have to bump into any people like that uh, in the future. But yeah, I thought uh, I really enjoyed Reaver's character. And I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of the Inquisitors in general. So seeing a, another new Inquisitor was was really exciting for me. And um, yeah, I think there were some great moments with Reaver. I think my all-time favourite Reaver moment is sort of a Reva slash Grand Inquisitor moment, which is obviously Reva's fight with Vader was absolutely unreal. I love that scene so much. Just, you know, the, the anger and the hate and the vengeance on Reva's face combined with Vader just being like, nope, you're not, not going to get to me. And then that moment when the Grand Inquisitor walks in and says, uh, you know, the vengeance can do a lot for someone's will to stay alive. I can't remember what the exact line is, but uh, I just loved sassy grand inquisitor being like you stabbed me and now I'm here looking over you crying on the floor thinking you know this is what you've become so yeah it was one of my favorite moments of the series that and uh <clears throat> whilst I mean I did enjoy the um sort of final confrontation at the last Homestead with Owen and Beru being a badass and fighting Reva I think not hundred percent sure about what I feel about her chasing Luke through the desert. I think I maybe need to watch the show a couple more times to decide whether I really like that, but it made up for it with that final resolution of her deciding that she's not going to become Anakin. She's not going to become Vader. And I think it was worth it for that, that poignant moment at the end. So uh, yeah,
1: those are my Reva thoughts. Yeah. Nice. I guess a great point you made about, you know, how Vader can get like glorified and stuff and, she did. Her character was really was really good at you know bringing Vader's and Anakin's actions like back to earth. You know he did go around the Jedi the Temple just stabbing seven eight year olds in, in the stomach. You know, and I think it's, it's interesting that those, those things too get forgotten about Vader. You know when he is like, yeah, as you said, like ripping ships out, the, ripping ships out the sky and stuff. <laughs> um, and I think yeah, I mean. So, those scenes of Anakin in the temple and stuff you know they're like dark scary scenes like you really can see the fear on her face you know when someone who is marching through the temple you know and obviously she's she's a young link she's probably heard of Anakin and seen him in the temple and heard of his feats you, you
0: sound like you're living on a building site me. <laughs> I, feel
1: the same, mate. I mean some scaffolders will come round at 10, 10, 10 past 8 to put some scaffolding up in the neighbour's house bless them for working so late in the day but they're not nice podcast on. Huh?
0: <laughs> so if anyone's wondering what a noise is that's what it is
1: <laughs> outrageous I was getting burgled at first I was like oh sis yeah. but yeah anyway what was I saying yeah, I mean, Raven's someone who, she's you know seen Anakin's feats, heard about his victories in the Clone Wars. You never know; she might have been there during uh, his little scrap with um, oh, who was that Jedi that like, turned that was blowing up the temple and stuff? Baras? No, Barrett. Oh, I can't remember her name. Barrett Assey, something like that. Ah, oh, I can't remember her name. Um, what are you talking about? What's this from? You know the one that framed Ahsoka Soka for... Uh,
0: oh, Barris for, uh, off it. yeah, Barris. yeah. Sorry, I know yeah. what you're she, talking about. She, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: what I'm trying to say is she might have even been there, you know, watching Anakin, like, take take down the bad guys uh, in the temple. And now he's walking up to her and stabbing her in the stomach. You know, it, traumatic moments for her, and it was some grounding Star Wars experience. Um, so, yeah, I, I think her character provided what it needed to over the six episodes. I think, yeah, if you judged her character off the first two, it, you know, it wasn't what, it wasn't the greatest thing in the se- in the episodes, I'm not going to lie. But over the whole course of the series, I think she provided exactly what she needed to. Her character did exactly what they needed to in the episodes. And I think her performance was really good at what she, what she what she provided and what the script demanded from her. I think she did a fantastic job. So, you know, I hope to see her more Star Wars stuff. I mean, obviously, her eventual Fate is she will die because she's not in really anything past a new hope, I assume, or past even Obi Wan. Um, so, but it'd be nice to see her in other stuff, maybe like a comic or a book or something, or some other TV if, you, if they ever decide to put her in one. But yeah, good performance from the character.
0: Yeah, I would, I would hundred percent love to see like a uh, just like a mini series, even if it was only like two episodes of just like the Inquisitors, like her her sort of being hunted by the other inquisitors and them just sort of having like a little inquisitor civil war fighting amongst themselves. And, you know, maybe the tragic ending of her character at the end of that, by the hand of the grand inquisitor or something. Um, I, Obviously, if we went into the Inquisitors and we still got Vader to talk about and lots of other stuff, we could be here for hours. So we'll brush over the Inquisitors a little bit. But overall, I was very excited to see the Inquisitors. I thought Rupert Friend's Grand Inquisitor was actually spot on. I'm completely over the the look, the head thing now. Like, I feel like it wasn't really an issue. People crying that they broke canon in episode two. Like, just watch the whole damn show. By episode five, he's back alive again because he got, you know, he's an inquisitor. Whatever, he's not going to die. I think belief I actually believe Powens have two stomachs. So there you go. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I liked seeing him. Fifth brother, I thought was brilliant as well, performance wise. I feel like he got a little bit forgotten halfway through the show, but that's fine. He wasn't he wasn't the protagonist. He wasn't their main character. He wasn't even their main antagonist. So um, it was just fun to see the Inquisitors and Fortress Inquisitorius from uh, Jedi Fallen Order as well. It was great to see that. Uh, rest in peace Terrace and uh, these are a lot of things that we're just breezing over that we can talk about in more detail soon uh, but yeah I was happy to see the Inquisitors but John I will say right now the fact that we didn't see full on helicopter lightsabers is a disgrace we got to see the spin-in lightsabers but we didn't see them get to go full helicopter lightsaber so I would like to say to Deborah Chow now you you, <laughs> you made a Pretty damn near perfect show, but it's not perfect because we didn't see any helicopter lightsabers.
1: I <laughs> know. Uh, tell me about it. I think there was a perfect opportunity for it as well in um, episode four at the Grand Inquisitoris uh, fortress. You know, when the um, snow speeders are um, are flying around, I think you know that kind be a perfect moment for one of the Inquisitors <laughs> to zip up on a helicopter, like Fifth Brother, <laughs> just flying after the speeder. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would have been. Oh. All right. One of them could have like lobbed him. And then he could have caught himself like halfway in the air with a helicopter lightsaber, and that would have been scenes. I would have enjoyed that.
0: No, I think they should have done it when uh, Vader had whooped Reva's ass and as she was on the floor, and instead of Grand Inquisitor walking in, he just flies in on his helicopter lightsaber, lands right next to Reva, <laughs> then just goes hello. <laughs> that would have been yeah, perfect. That would have been, that
1: would have been great. I would have enjoyed that. Missed but yeah, opportunity, you... but we move.
0: Did you enjoy the Inquisitors, John? You enjoyed their uh, supporting role in this show.
1: I did yeah, I mean, it's just nice. Well, word, but uh, world, world building. There we go. Um, and it obviously, it just it helps introduce those characters to like more casual fans and stuff. So yeah. I think they were yeah. they were they were good. And I know as you say, like the fifth brother did seem to disappear after the series, and um, there was also oh, I can't remember which number she is.
0: One of the sisters. One of the
1: sisters. Three lines in the whole thing, but (laughs) that's fine, you know, it's introducing the characters and uh, obviously, I'm assuming we're going to see them more now as like people get more familiar with them. Yeah, yeah, hopefully,
0: hopefully it makes more people watch Rebels as well, which uh, is a fantastic show that everyone who likes Star Wars should watch. So hopefully that encourages more people to do so. Um, I think, I think it's time, John, to talk about the Vader, the Vader of it all. I will, I will, pass over to you fairly quickly but I would firstly like to say that I'm actually surprised at how much Vader we got in the show I found it quite interesting that there were people out there complaining that we didn't get enough Vader because in my honest opinion I really didn't expect us to get as much Vader as we got in this show Um, I'm incredibly incredibly happy we got the Clone Wars flashback or the prequels flashback with Anakin and Obi-Wan as master and apprentice. I love that scene so much and everything it represented. um, And we can talk about that in quite a bit of detail. I was really excited to see Hayden Christensen back. You know, I was one of these people when I was a bit younger who wasn't the biggest fan of Anakin's character, but I've grown to love Anakin and Hayden's performance more over time. And I think he seems It it was really nice to see him getting the love that he didn't get during the prequels, um, particularly at Star Wars Celebration. It was really wholesome to see people just absolutely cheering for him. Um, And it's so good that he's finally getting to, to come back and play this character again after all these years and get the appreciation he deserves. So, yeah, really happy to see Hayden back. And some of the best Darth Vader moments ever happened in this show. Um, I'm sure you'll agree with me on that John I thought they used Vader fantastically in a, I think they understood the brief with Vader that less is more um, and they definitely used him sparingly but when they used him they used him really really effectively and I thought they absolutely nailed the Darth Vader
1: in this in this series Some of the best Vader ever in, the, in this series and it's as you say fantastic for Hayden to come back and get the love he deserves and you know, not only play Anakin Skywalker in the flashback, but then also get to, you know, be in the suit playing Darth Vader. Uh, I think, you know, that's fantastic for him. You know, it's a character, to, you know, Anakin is a character that developed into Darth Vader, so it would have been disappointing for Hayden not to be able to play that version of his character. Um, So it's really good to to get him back for that. And obviously, fantastic for the, for the prequel flashback, getting to see a young Anakin Skywalker. It's fantastic. And I mean, what they... Oh, the 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 little things they did with vader in this as you say less is more i think sometimes it's fantastic with vader and what they did you know the little nods to other bits of multimedia media they had with vader fantastic like you know like a couple of lines they had from and like throwbacks they had to um uh was it twilight apprentice and rebels you know that's those two that episode with ahsoka is one is my favorite um Star Wars, my uh, favorite Darth Vader moment of all time. And you know, I can still watch that scene, and it still gets me tearing up uh, to this day. So the fact that they gave that a little nod in the episode six with with one the line of "then you will die," straight straight away, recognize that. I was like the little Leonardo uh, you know, DiCaprio meme, like sitting up in my seat, like "oh, oh. that was me straight away." <laughs> and then uh, and then obviously Vader having his his uh, mask like half cut open to see it. Um, Anakin's face, which is a oh, kind of grand, a great moment. We get to see Hayden Christensen's face in the Vader suit, and
0: fantastic the voice, stuff. oh, and the voice, and the the, voice. the mixing of Hayden's voice with James Earl Jones. Oh my God, that was some of the most. The what was the line? Um, Anakin Skywalker is dead. I am what remains. Oh my God, that line just oh so good,
1: so so good. Yeah, fantastic. They, I, I mean, as you say, they understood. They understood the brief, they understood the character that Vader is. They understood, oh, just just beautiful. I mean, absolutely nailed it. And I think this one, obviously, this show has provided Vader is most powerful, ripping that starship out of the sky and then ripping the doors off. Unbelievable. When I was watching that scene, I was like, oh, they're not going to do it. Like, he's going to, the ship's going to get away like every other ship that gets pulled by the force, you know, Darth Moles. Was Ahsoka's done it you know other characters have done it tried to do it and they've all failed but no Vader the goat rips that thing out of the sky rips the doors off Vader is most powerful then we get an unbelievable fight scene of Vader versus uh, Reva and then we get on top of that some unbelievable fight scenes of Obi-Wan and then yeah. just a the rematch
0: of, of the century I they, I think they fulfilled that promise I think it was the rematch of the century I
1: love that fight Yeah. And then stop it off because it's Star Wars. And as I've always said, Star Wars is at its best when it's emotional. You get some of the most emotional scenes at the end between Vader and Obi Wan. And I think Chef's Kiss for perfect stuff. I I don't think they could have done it any better. Fantastic, Vader. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Like, you know, I think there's, we could do a whole episode just on the Vader and Obi Wan relationship in this. But I think the two things that stood out to me was, you know, that confrontation when Obi-Wan was just on his shit. Like he was just, he was just beating on Vader because he had to win. And then there was the moment that he saw Anakin's face. That was when he broke down and he, you know, he said, I'm sorry, Anakin, I'm sorry for it all. Um, and the moment when Anakin slash Vader says, um, the incredible forms by Hayden, by the way, of like, uh, I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan. Um, you did not kill Anakin Skywalker I did and then like you see the red light of his lightsaber wash across his face the Sith eyes come back like oh absolutely incredible stuff uh, and then the, the my friend is truly dead uh, goodbye Darth like oh that whole scene was just Star Wars poetry at his absolute finest yes it was quite heavily inspired by Rebels but you know not mainstream Star Wars audiences probably haven't seen that scene in Rebels. So I think it's, you know, important for them to see that aspect, but also it's it's poetry. Like these are the two people that meant the most to Anakin that are still alive, obviously Padme, but these are the two people that meant the most to Anakin that are still alive confronting him as this evil that he's become. And neither of them can save him. Neither of them can bring him back. And it just solidifies Luke's ability to, you know, fully remove the mask and you save him at the end of Return of the Jedi is even that more powerful. So yeah, I absolutely loved that scene. And then I think the other moment that I do just have to talk about is like, I mean, and I, I know that you loved it as well. The the flashback, the duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, I thought was so the way that they edited it throughout throughout that fifth episode. I thought was ingenious the way it tied into what was going on in the in the current story. I think was brilliant, but I think that that lesson that we saw Obi Wan impart to Anakin is like he you know because he fights to win that's why he's you know that's essentially why he loses you know that's why he's not quite there yet. And I think it, you know <clears throat> until he accepts that aspect, he'll always be the learner. And I think that ties really poetically into the idea that you know when Vader and Obi-Wan meet again in A New Hope you know the line about last we met I was but the learner now I am the master you know in my head in my head canon in head canon that's what he is that's what he is referencing that that you know the last time they met all Vader cared about was defeating Obi-Wan and winning and proving his strength. And that's what we saw in this, in this show. And I think when we see Vader later on in life, he's had another 10 years of being with the dark side and he's above that now. He just knows he's more powerful than anyone and he knows that he'll beat Obi-Wan. And I just think that it's, it was, it just worked perfectly for me. And I knew this show always had to end with Obi-Wan whooping Vader's ass and I thought they did it in the best possible way. But I also think it was nice in episode three to get to see Vader whooping Obi-Wan's ass as well, dragging him through the flames, getting revenge for Mustafa. Oh, it was poetry. All of it was absolute poetry. It was really, really stunning stuff. And if we could just get some more Clone Wars flashbacks of Hayden and Ewan as those two again in other shows, or just a whole spin-off of just the two of them in the Clone Wars, I would absolutely love that because... Seeing the two of them as as their prequel characters again was an absolute joy. So so yeah, thank you very much, Lucasfilm for giving us some incredible Vader Anakin stuff in this in this show. It was just truly
1: fantastic. Yeah, and I mean just to, just to slightly build on on your point there about you know when they met, Vader had accepted the fact he doesn't have to fight to win anymore. You know, like I sort of he's learned that lesson from Obi Wan. It's a nice little headcanon thing if you want. It could be a nice explanation as to why that fight compared to the rest of the rest of the lightsaber fights most of Star Wars is much more chilled and relaxed, more like a game of chess than um than like an actual like duel that everyone else seems to want to be able to do. This is because you know Vader's not in this fight he was just going ham on Obi-Wan trying to beat the shit out of him to win. But I think, you know, if you want to use that use that to explain that fight, the next fight, it could be Vader's, you know, being a bit more cautious, you know, taking taking nods from Obi-Wan. And, and playing, drawing out the fight, not just trying to win as fast as possible. So, I mean, that's a that's nice little headcanon bit for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that in there, use, yeah. use that, if you will.
0: Yeah, I see, I see it. I think, you know, I think a lot of the the canon connections with A New Hope uh, that some people were worried about, I think this show sort of, t- you know, tucks them all in nicely into bed. I think particularly some of the stuff with Leia. Like, I was watching a little bit of A New Hope earlier, and I, I, there's when... Ben Kenobi sees the hologram with Leia. He has this look on his face. And to me, that after watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, that is a look on his face. It says, Oh my God, that's Leia. She's all grown up now. And obviously, I know that I'm seeing I'm seeing that retroactively, but it works in my head when I watch a new Hope and It just adds an extra layer to that film. So I think that canon-wise, I think they tie everything together really nicely. And I think they also do with some of the Darth Vader stuff. I like the little nods to the Darth. Um moment and and yeah it was it was really really powerful stuff and oh my god john i can't believe that we've been talking for nearly an hour and we haven't mentioned the moment when obi-wan kenobi says then i will do what i must and strikes the ultimate obi-wan kenobi pose i mean how have we not mentioned that that was a moment where i literally
1: jumped out of my seat and screamed oh yeah that, that was fat i mean the i mean the delivery of the line beautiful the pose beautiful the music the score in the background beautiful set the oh, scene set yeah, so beautiful. good just it was just setting like all right this is obi-wan he's, he's back. back how he is he's, he's back. back
0: oh mate um, so good Oh,
1: Unbelievable
0: stuff. Few, yeah, few moments Two in months. television history has ever made me as gas as I was when that that happened. Because I was like waiting for the whole series. I was like, but then the part of me was like, oh, it's going to be a bit on the nose. Like I don't think they're ever going to get him to do it. And then when he did, I was like, that wasn't on the nose at all. That was exactly what I needed to see. That this is Obi Wan Kenobi saying, "Come at me, Vader. I'm going to kick your ass because I'm a Jedi and you're just a bitch who worships the dark side." Uh, so yeah, I absolutely loved it and you, funnily enough because you mentioned music John Ang, this was one of the final little things I sort of wanted to to wrap up the show with I wanted to mention the music I thought um Natalie Holt who uh she also did the Loki score um which I thought was another great score I think she absolutely killed it with this I think I don't think there's quite as many iconic pieces of music from this show as you, there are from like the Mandalorian for example but I think the way that her music sort of scored the scenes i thought was really really effective i particularly liked that bit of music that played when obi-wan and vader faced off it was like an almost like a choir singing in the background really orchestral and just sort of gave me dual of the fates vibes without being dual of the fates which i thought was really really good um i loved the inquisitor music as well i thought that was a really effective piece of music and so a lot of Leia's music uh, was really good as well. So Natalie Hull absolutely killed it with the music. Um, but I have to talk about it. I, John Williams' Obi-Wan theme, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is good. Like, John Williams, he's the goat. Like, this is a good bit of music. Now, after watching this series, I'm absolutely obsessed with John Williams' Obi-Wan theme. I think it is one of the most beautiful pieces of music, like recent Star Wars music. Um and just like hearing it at the end of this show with Obi wan on his EOP riding off into across the Dune Sea with Qui Gon For, Force goes Qui Gon outside, I just absolutely like love this piece of music now from John Williams. And if this ends up being the last piece of Star Wars music that John Williams ever scores, I think that's just perfection because I absolutely love this piece of music now. So uh,
1: it gets a big tick from me. Yeah, fantastic. I mean. Star Wars has always been one of those shows and movies and stuff that has fantastic music. It, it's it's so easy to associate characters, moments, and themes with with the music. So I mean, I was I was in no doubt that this show would be exactly the same, and you know, you have as you say, like a beautiful score from John Williams and and, and everyone else and um, whoever else was, was involved. It's just oh, beautiful. I mean. I know it's played in every single bit of Star Wars ever, but though, you know, the Force theme still always still always gets me going it's oh, beautiful. Yeah. You can't have every Star Wars time. without fantastic every music.
0: Time. Oh, and when they played the little bit of the Princess Leia theme at the end of uh, the end of the show as well. Oh, it hit me in the feels too. So good, so so good.
1: Yeah, I mean just absolute perfection to be honest. Mm. As I said at the beginning, the some of the best Star Wars ever put to screen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think it's safe to say that uh, me and you are Massive fans of the show. Um, I absolutely loved the experience of this the show coming out every week and getting to watch it. It felt like such an event every week. Um, I loved it. Uh, I did get a bit fed up at times of the some of the, the toxicity from from people who I think have just decided that anything Star Wars, any new Star Wars that comes out, they're just gonna hate it because They're trying to prove some point and I don't really understand what that point is, but I think when you, when you uh, fight through all that noise, uh, I think this is actually probably from the majority of people I've spoken to being an incredibly popular um, Star Wars show. I think everyone I seem to have spoken to seems to love it. So I'm, I'm really happy with how the show turned out and hopefully we'll get some more opportunities on the podcast to, to talk about some, some more of the aspects of this show. Like, we didn't even get a chance to talk about some of the other characters like Hadja and Tala and Roken, who I thought were really, really interesting. The path was a really cool new aspect that they've added to the show, which I hope is something that gets picked up in, you know, like Jedi, the Jedi Fallen Order sequel. I think Cal Kestis being involved with the path would be a really cool aspect. Quinlan Voss being mentioned as being alive is exciting potential of are we going to get another season with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jin going on a force adventure who knows I think there's a lot more that we could talk about uh with Obi-Wan Kenobi but uh I guess that uh, that sums up my sort of overall feelings of the show and uh and and yours as well John I think I think it's safe to say that you you quite enjoyed it too
1: <laughs> yeah safe safe to put your money on that one uh gamblers out there very much enjoyed the show um and yeah, I, I mean, people, you always get people that are going, oh, Disney's ruined Star Wars, Disney this, Disney that, ruined that. But uh, you know what I want to say? I want to say, and the mouse we trust, is they've blessed us with this unbelievable show, you know, as, as they've blessed us with, with some, some great ones in, in, in the last few years. So. Disney keep it coming Keep, yeah. keep giving us right. this gold I'm sorry People are going to hate To
0: hear this But they actually know no, People who listen To our podcast Aren't going to hate to hear us Because we've got People who listen To our podcast are sound But uh, like Disney are killing it I'm sorry They're killing it Like this show is great The Mandoverse stuff It's great Animation's still killing it The books are killing it Like I enjoyed many aspects of sequels. You know what? I'm happy with where Star Wars is at the moment. And or looks phenomenal, by the way. Haven't even had a chance to talk about that on this podcast and some of the stuff that's coming up as well also looks phenomenal. So so yeah, it's a. I I mean, I think we say this a lot on the podcast, but it is a it is a fantastic time to be a to be a Star Wars fan. And uh I think this I think when the dust has settled and when people go back and rewatch this show over and over again, I think in time, people. Well, I think people already accept it as some of the best styles we've ever had. Now, but I think more and more people are gonna gonna really appreciate this uh, this phenomenal Obi Wan Kenobi story that we've all been gifted with these past six weeks. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much, Ewan, Deborah Chow, Hayden, Filoni, You're sure he was involved? Kathleen Kennedy, the Mouse. Cheers, everyone. It was a it was a bloody good show. Mm
1: an unbelievable ride what a, what a time to be alive as a Star Wars fan as I said I, I'm pretty sure I've said it about 10 times on this podcast before but. Just, it's just a catchphrase really now isn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah I think there's there's definitely some more things about this show that the two of us I'm sure would want to dive into so hopefully when our schedules allow we can uh, we can get into talking about some of that stuff there's some good easter eggs some uh, some fun little nods to other Star Wars canon stuff that I'm sure the two of us would like to, to break down. So hopefully we can get around to doing that soon. Um, but yeah, for the time being, I think we'll we'll call it there. That was a that was a good Obi Wan Kenobi series review. Yeah,
1: you love you love to see it. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to deep diving into some more stuff about the show. But yeah, that's a good good little breakdown for now. I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into a this Brotherhood book that is sitting on my bookshelf at the moment, looking at me, asking to be read for more oh, yeah. Obi wan and Anakin adventures. Yeah, I need to
1: read that. It's literally yeah. my bedside table, but I haven't started yet. Maybe
0: that could be a future book club, John. Maybe to to get back to an old book club goodness yeah we do indeed it's good yeah out. yeah so uh so yeah thanks thanks very much for uh for, for tuning in uh if you uh if you want to follow us on social media we're at live Invaders castle on instagram we're at vaders castle pod on twitter uh we're live from vaders castle on uh youtube and on spotify apple live Invaders vaders castle if you want to follow and not miss an episode if we Hopefully we continue to, to post some more, a bit more regularly. We, we do apologize for the, for the irregular posting. Uh, just work-life balance at the moment is a bit of a struggle for myself. And uh, also John's a busy boy too. So trying to schedule this is not as easy as it was during the pandemic when the two of us were both literally doing nothing with our lives. <laughs> but we're trying our best to, uh, to get more episodes out. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.